Hope you guys had a good morning. I don't know about you, but I walked outside and it felt like Christmas to me. I literally walked outside and I was like, it is Christmas right now. Like it was just that chill in the air. I didn't even know what to do with it. I went and got a jacket real quick because I was like, gotta take advantage of it. The grass was stagnant, not growing, and it felt just like Christmas morning to me. So this is, the, this is where I like it. I think it was like 65 when I woke up. No colder than that. I love that temperature, like 65 to 75. Like I'm good just staying right in there all year round. Maybe not all year because that's kind of cold, you know. But <laughs> I'm from Florida. I don't know if you guys know that, but I'm from Florida. So hope you guys are having a good week. My name's Corey, just in case you don't know me. Um, we're going to be talking about something interesting today. All right. My title is Interrogation. <laughs> That sounds rough, doesn't it? Normally, interrogation, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been interrogated, maybe by your spouse or your family member or your friend or maybe the law, but we won't make you raise your hand if that's the case, um, whatever it might be. Normally, interrogation takes place when they're trying to find out something that you did, right? Something that you did or maybe something that you're doing. And today we're going to look at it a little bit differently. Instead of looking at something that we're doing, we're going to look at it in a way of something that we're thinking. Sound good? <laughs> something that we're thinking. So I want you to take some time to not just listen, but to interrogate yourself a little bit this morning. Interrogate your mind and what goes on in here. I was talking to um, Albert Levings this week, and we were talking about how it seems like from a young age, we're almost groomed into obedience. Like, you know, when you do a good job, you get rewarded, right? And rightfully so, hopefully. And when you're a bad boy, you get disciplined, right? So when you behave well, you get rewarded. And then when you behave poorly, you get disciplined, which is good because a lot of us would be in some concerning places if we never got disciplined, right? But our outward actions... We grow up getting our outward actions disciplined, so we mature and we grow and we turn into being mature adults, hopefully. And that's why when your boss says something ridiculous and you want to hit him and you want to scream at him, you go, I have self-discipline. I have been taught not to do that, right? But in our minds and in our thoughts, no one ever disciplined our minds. So when we think things, we weren't disciplined and rewarded when we had good or poor thought processes, so we think whatever we want, and we never get reprimanded. Anyone else? Anyone else's minds just going around crazy, and we create what neuroscientists call neuropathways. And it's kind of like if you can imagine a big block of cheese, the more times you think a certain way, it's like dropping a hot ball through the block of cheese. And you create this high way of thinking. So maybe some of you guys struggle with depression thoughts or, you know, obviously that could be chemical, whatever it might be, you know, anxiety thoughts. You know, scientists prove that a lot of times we create these highways towards every time we have a problem, these are the route that we take to our thought processes. And that's what happens. And it can be a lot of work to start to rewrite those neuropathways. So I'm going to read you guys a verse real quick because it's the Bible. And we're going to read out of Proverbs real quick. And I'm going to read out of the ICB version for this verse. Never read out of it up here. And if you guys aren't familiar, ICB stands for International Children's Bible. <laughs> 
Because every once in a while, you just got to take it down a notch, you know, and start with the basics. So this is the ICB version. It says, be very careful about what you think. Your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts run your life. Philippians 4.8 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Excellent and worthy of praise. Maybe you're like, well, how on God's earth am I supposed to always think about things that are worthy of praise? That word praise just means essentially something honorable, something that's excellent and something that you can put up. So a lot of times, this is kind of, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down true and honorable. All right, true and honorable. John, write it down, true and honorable. Yeah, you need it. (laughs) Sorry, I have this ongoing thing with John. Okay, so true and honorable. Every time we have a thought, we're going to hold it up to the plumb line, okay? The plumb line is true and honorable. It is God's word. If you guys don't know what a plumb line, that's what it is, all right? I have personally never used one because nowadays we have something pretty much just as accurate and it's called the laser, right? (laughs) For a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, depending on how accurate you want it to be, you can buy a laser that essentially does the exact thing a plumb line does, but quicker. Right, so a plumb line, he's holding up to the wall to determine what is straight and what is not. And if you're into construction, if you do any type of building or you build projects, as you build, you take a plumb line, you take a laser, or nowadays levels are getting almost as accurate as plumb lines, but you hold it up and you make sure every single time you're building, you're adding to it, that it's straight. And you don't wait until you get to the end of the house and go, well, now I'm gonna start seeing if I if I built this thing straight, because you're gonna end up having to tear a lot of it down. And that's where some of us are in our minds. We built neuropathways, we have these different thought processes that we never took back to the plumb line, to God's word, what is true and honorable. And now some of us are gonna have to take a step back and start to tear down some thought processes that we've made. So if you're curious what the plumb line is, the plumb line is true and honorable. All right, it is God's word. So if you find yourselves in mental battles, the first question is, is what I'm thinking true? Because we're pulling down lofty things, right? We're pulling down those speculations. So is it true? And a lot of us think true things, but it's not honorable. Just because it's true doesn't mean you should think on it. He said, God, I know this person said this, but should I keep thinking on it over and over? Is this an honorable way? If God took a step inside your mind, would he look at it and go, wow, this is honorable? (laughs) If he looked at your thought lives, would he open it up and go, wow, this is honorable in here? Because remember what ICB said, your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts run your life. You guys remember in Amos 7, whenever um, God's speaking to Amos, and he says, Amos, what do you see? You see where I'm going, right, Cody? You're with me. Amos, what do you see? And he goes, I see a wall, and I see you holding a plumb line up to the wall. God goes, very good, Amos. (laughs) Very good. Because he's determining what is straight. And God goes, you're going to need this. 
in order to determine whether your life is true or honorable. So how do we know if something's true and honorable? You always come back to the world word and go, God, is this true? Is this honorable? Because it's fun to come to church and we're talking about like having authority over demons and casting out devils, which is exciting. But then most of us don't have authority over our Monday day at work or over a sink full of dishes. And we're like, we have authority over the devil. He should be running. And then we get, we get to church on Monday and we can't even control our thought process. And we're going, oh, I hate this job. Well, you prayed for that job, so why don't you start to be a little bit more thankful for it? Or we go, I don't, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. And we get so aggravated that we can't even control our own thought processes, and it actually determines the course of our life. Just to give you a little, um, a neuroscientist once said, one of the most unhealthy things that you can do for your mind is to say things like, I have to go to work or I have to go talk to so-and-so, because what it does is it actually removes your sense of authority in your life. And neuroscientists has actually traced that to anxiety and say a lot of people's anxiety actually starts with sentences such as, I have to, instead of saying, I need to, or I should, because it rewrites your thinking and going, you know what, I actually do have authority. I don't have to go to work. If I hate my job so much, how many applications have I put in <laughs> to change that situation? And a lot of times it's hard. You know, sometimes we are in situations, not that we have to be, because we can always go live on the side of the road, right? That's always an option, let's be honest. <laughs> sometimes we think about it, you know? It's like, all right, <laughs> is this worth it? <laughs> but it's always an option. You have to remember that you have the choice to make the choice. You don't have to you're able to. So starting to rewrite some of those thinkings actually can change the way that your mind works. Um, this is funny. I wrote down the story of Gary and I, and I actually read story of God and I, and I was like, what did God and I do? <laughs> I was trying to remember. Um, not long ago, Gary came over. I actually need to come and help have you help me again. But we were um, pinning some calves, so maybe this week if you're free, but we were pinning and tagging some of my calves, and um, we're um, roping them and pulling them down and flipping them over and tagging their ears and letting them go. And there's this one calf that was particularly small, maybe like a month or two old, 150, 165, something like that in there in weight. And it looked small to me, you know? I grabbed it and I, I put my leg around it and I was just, I didn't flip it over or anything. I was just holding it between my legs and I went to tag its ear. And I swear this was like the calf of Samson, you know? And... <laughs> All of a sudden, with literally, it just came on out of nowhere, I'm moving, you know? Like I'm in this pen and I'm moving and I look around and I'm literally, I'm riding this calf like a bronco at this moment. I'm talking little month, month two-month-old calf and it's just running around the pen and I'm holding on it and I'm literally bouncing like this. And at this moment, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like, <laughs> I've never been in this situation, you know? And I'm just bouncing on it and Gary's running like behind us, like trying to catch up with it. This is a true story, guys. It really is. Like Gary as my witness. And, and I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing. Finally, all of a sudden, no joke, Gary just comes over and like tackles me. <laughs> and I'm laying on the floor like I'm on top of the calf, the calf's screaming, and Gary's like trying to reach and find the tagger, and we finally tag its ear and it runs off, and I'm just like laying on the floor. 
And I remember when I first put my, my leg around that calf, I thought, this will be easy. <laughs> like, this is small. And a lot of us, that's how we live with our thought life. We feel like we have control over it. I'm going to keep it right here. <laughs> and before we know it, it is actually determining every single thing that we do. And we go, I didn't want to be here. <laughs> I didn't want to be bouncing around. I didn't want to be on the floor with Gary on top of me and a calf doing number two everywhere else. You know, Allie has a hard time with my laundry as it is. I didn't want all that. <laughs> but I got it because it took control. You know, I work in the villages a lot, and I watch these older ladies and, and men sometimes, but they'll have these dogs. I swear I saw a dog. It had to be a bear. Like, I've never seen a dog that big in my life, but most of the time it's those smaller dogs, and they will pull them around like crazy. You'll see people. Have you ever seen people walking a dog, and it's like, that dog is walking you. Like, there is a serious problem there. And that's how most of us live with our minds. Our minds walk us. We have no control over what's going on in here. It's like we think we're walking the dog when really the dog's walking us. And I don't know about you, but I want to have a dog that heals next to my leg. I want to have a mind where I look inside and I go, I hold up the plumb line and I go, nope, that is not pure. That is not true and that is not honorable. All right, guys, you know this verse. I, when I was preparing this week, I was like, I'm not going to put 2 Corinthians 10.5 in it. I was like, there's so many other ones. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 10.5. All right. I want ESV. Here we go. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion. That is, if you look at, do like a version study on this verse, it is so cool. You know, some of them will say opinions. Some of them will say speculation. Some of them will say um, imaginations. We destroy arguments and speculations or lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. I wonder what type of things are being raised in your mind that are actually battling against the knowledge of God. And look at this. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. How many of you guys have heard the um, take your thoughts captive, right? Now, this is my experience. I'm not saying if you're sitting here or watching by podcast or whatever it might be, that this is your experience. But my experience was I was taught to hold my thoughts captive. That meant if I'm, whatever I might be doing, whatever area you struggle with, all right, I'm sitting here and I get a thought that I know I shouldn't have. And I will go, nope, not going to think about that. <laughs> and a second later, nope, not going to think about that. Nope, not going to think about that, right? Anyone else ever done that similarly? Okay, not just me. Thank you. See some heads nodding. How many of you guys ever watch like Law and Order or any of those like movies, shows where it's like the same thing over and over? I love it. Anyway, every time they capture the criminal, you guys know, I've seen good TV. You guys have too. What's the next scene? They capture the criminal every time they cut to the next scene and it's them sitting at the table, right? <laughs> See, you've been taught to hold your thoughts captive wrong. My opinion, again, <laughs> side note. You're supposed to capture them, and then you're supposed to interrogate them. And you go, God, why am I thinking like this? Why am I thinking like this? Where did this come from? Where's the root of this thought? 
Because for so long, we've been trying to get an empty place up here, an empty space. We, we get a thought, nope, not going to think about it, not going to think about it. Listen, an empty space is still a place, all right? The problem is we've been throwing stuff out for so long that it's so empty that the enemy can just come and back a truck up to it. The whole point of it is to interrogate it and then fill it. Interrogate it and then fill it. Your mind isn't meant to be empty. Colossians 3.2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, right? Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That means that we need to fill our mind with the things that God wants us to think about. So when we hold up the plumb line, we hold up the level or the laser, whatever fits well for you guys, and we go, is this thought true? You know, when anxiety comes your way, when worry comes your way, anyone ever dealt with anything like that? You go, is this thought true? Okay, it's true. It passes the first step. Is it honorable? Okay, God, if it's not honorable, where is it coming from? And then we go to the next step. You guys ready for the next step? This is practical, I feel like, all right? You guys ready? I'm going to show you how to deal with poor thoughts, all right? Here we go. Allie and I wrote down, we were sitting in, I think it was yesterday, we were sitting down, and I was like, Allie, tell me some things that you feel like people struggle with mentally. She had a list. I was like, let me get out my phone. Like, calm down. Like, she was just coming out with it. So I, I wrote down three. All right, the first one we wrote down, she said, about themselves, being unworthy, not good enough, about what God being unsatisfied with you. So that was the first time, first one that we wrote down. And when she said it to me, it almost didn't make sense to me because I was like, the plumb line, like there's nothing in there. But the problem is, how many of you guys know that when the enemy came and tempted Jesus, what was his, what was his response every time? It is written. And the problem is many of us can't combat the battle in our mind because we have no idea what's written. If you want to battle the enemy, if you want to win the battle in here, if you want to have true and honorable thoughts, you have to know what's actually written. Because he's going to deceive you in the nature of deception as you don't know that you're being deceived. You can't be deceived and know it. That's not deception. That's just being stupid. All right? <laughs> the nature of deception is that you don't know that you're deceived. So you have to trust this book more than you trust yourself. And you go, God, what is true and honorable? I feel like I'm unworthy. I feel like I'm not measuring up to your standard. And then I go, okay, well, let's read Romans 3.24. So if you guys ever struggle with that, even if you haven't, these are the verses to write down, all right? I'm starting off the study for you. All right? Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Or some versions say, he makes us in right standing with the Father. Yeah, how many of you guys know that Jesus did what Jesus did. He paid the ultimate price through his death, burial, and resurrection so that the Father can look at you and see his son. Because Jesus will step in the way <laughs> and he goes, that sin that Gary did, that's on me. And that way Jesus can look at Gary and go, wow, 
He's pure. He's in right standing with the Father. He can walk into the Holy of Holies. The veil used to be there to stop people from entering. And I've told this story so many times. They would tie a, a rope around the priest and bells around him. He would have to do a sacrifice right before he went in. He would go inside. And the reason why the rope was in there is because if he was the slightest bit unpure, he would die instantly. And no one could go in after him. They would have to drag him out by a rope because that's what the presence of God was like. You had to be that perfect to enter into the presence of God, okay? Fast forward to today, you still have to be that perfect. But Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you, so the price has already been paid, so you are pure and in right standing so that you can walk into the throne room without worrying about anything. So if the enemy has been trying to tell you that you're unworthy and that you can't talk to the Father, how about you read Romans 3, 24? He did this through Christ Jesus. Look, when he freed us from the penalties for our sins. So you're not under the penalties of your sins. All right, this is the plumb line. I've told, I've, sorry, I'm getting a little bit antsy here. <laughs> I've gone through this so many times, but I love it. I always come back to it. Conviction and condemnation. Plumb line for conviction and condemnation. Am I mad at myself for what I did or am I wanting to do better next time? Conviction goes, hey, this is how you can improve next time. Condemnation goes, look at what you just did. You're dirty. And conviction goes, I died with Christ. Christ paid the ultimate penalty for me, so this is below me. I can do better. I can think better. I can act better. I don't want to mess with this. That's conviction, because it's his grace that brings us to repentance. It's not his guilt or his shame. Jesus doesn't play in guilt and shame. He, play, he plays in grace and freedom, and he goes, it is my grace that brings people to repentance. So if you're trying to shame anybody into repentance, I promise you it will never work. It's his grace that brings people to repentance. All right, the next one. I wrote down, just because I'm a vegan. <laughs> I'm not a vegan. Um, if you didn't know that, meat is actually one of my favorite things that, I mean, I just love the new covenant, you know? Like, I just love the new covenant. I love Peter's dream about the meat just floating everywhere. I'm like, that is beautiful. I think Madagascar, side note, Madagascar was reading that verse when they, you, never mind. Anyway, all right, so here we are. <laughs> Just because I'm a vegan, I remember being out with um, a couple guys one time. We were at Cody's, not Mahirin's, the restaurant, all right? So we're at Cody's, and they're older than me, and I'm kind of just along for the ride. And the guy across from me, he was opening his menu, and the waitress walked by, and he said something not kid-friendly about the waitress, all right? This is an older man, and he's married, and he said something about the waitress's body, <laughs> And um, I was like, oh, God. And the guy next to me kind of just looked at him. And he said, what? He said, just because I'm on a diet, just because I'm a vegan, doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. That was his word. Has anyone else? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Has anyone else ever thought a thought like that? Well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just thinking something wrong. So let's go back to the plumb line. All right, you ready for the plumb line? Matthew 5, 27. 
You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, you know, a lot of people want to get out of lust, right? They spend their lives going, oh, why do I have to deal with this? Like, God, just take it away. Like, what's going on? I'm going to give you the reason why so many men and women, right? I think it's 98% of all men struggle with pornography in and outside of the church. I think it's 93% of all women in and, in and outside of the church struggle with pornography, all right? That's the statistic, all right? Just, just reading off to you. I'm going to tell you why. You ready? My opinion. Here we go, next part of the verse. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. You want to know why so many people struggle with lust? Because no one's willing to gouge out their eye. No one's willing to do it. I'm obviously not speaking physically because many of you, if I gouged out your eye, you'd still be struggling with it. But I've counseled, eh, counsel's not a good word. I've um befriended and held a lot of people accountable that have come through this, and many of them have been clean for like years and months, all right? And you know what I tell them every time when they start? I'm like, what's your trigger? <laughs> what gets you to that point? Because we have to gouge out your eye. <laughs> and if you want to do it, we'll do it, and if not, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And most people, I've had a couple even recently tell me, it's social media. I'll see something on social media and it will lead me to doing this. It'll lead me to looking this up. And I'll go, okay, perfect. Let's gouge out the eye. Delete all your social media. And it's funny because it's like this huge ordeal. It's like, do you want to be free or do you want to delete everything? I'll delete it with you. I've deleted it with people. Are you kidding me? I don't care about that. I'm going to be the most honorable man I can be, not only for God, but for my wife. There's no eye that's going to hold me back from being a true and honorable life. Okay, and I don't know about you, but if you want to get free of some stuff, you've got to find what your eye is. And you've got to be willing to gouge it out. So if you guys are running around the mountain, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's lust, maybe you find yourselves looking at people in stores, I promise you, I will help you gouge your eye out. <laughs> Come talk to me. I'm, I'm telling you out of love, honestly. I'm not saying, oh, there's something wrong with you. People, I wish, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I wish I could have people come up and tell you my response when they've talked to me. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'd be like, no worries, dude. Well, I'll get you free in two weeks. <laughs> you let me know. You're not going to like it, probably. <laughs> you're not, you might feel like you're losing your privacy, but do you want to lose a bit of your privacy or do you want to be free? Do you, I know a lot of people, I remember growing up, that decided, you know what, I'm going to go with a flip phone. And people are like, why are you using a flip phone? Because I'd rather use a flip phone and be free than live with an iPhone and be bound. I know no one likes to talk about this, but 98% is a high number. And I don't know about you, but I want to live free. I don't want to live bound. And Jesus didn't say, make sure you pray. I'm not putting down prayer. I know it's important. He didn't say, make sure you pray and ask God that you won't deal with this. He said, gouge out your eye. <laughs> and we go around the same mountain over and over and go, God, why am I screwing with this again? How did this happen? I'm never going to do it again. 
And you guys know what the definition of insanity is? <laughs> exactly. We do it over and over, and we go, next time it's going to be different. You're insane. <laughs> it's going to be the same thing over and over again because you're not willing to actually gouge something out that means something. A lot of times it is the good things that keep us from the God things. We're not willing to give up something good. Well, social media, I'm talking about people that I've talked to. Well, social media is like my platform. I'm like, yeah, and it's also throwing you into sin. So what do you think is doing more? Your verse that you're sharing every couple weeks or the fact that you're dishonoring your wife? Like, which one do you think God's more worried about? I know that sounds harsh, I'm sorry, but I promise you it's coming out of love and it's going, I want you to be free because I love you. I love your marriage, I love your wife. We didn't, we didn't, we're not messing with this anymore. I'm not gonna condemn you for what you've done. We've all screwed up, right? Could you imagine if we threw up on the screen the worst thing that anyone has ever done in this room? Can you imagine that for a second? Your worst action being thrown up on the screen? That's not what it's about. I don't care what you did in the past. It's about going forward. It's glory to glory. I'm living glory to glory just because this is where I am right now. I want to go more. I want to be able to hold my thoughts, not just captive. I want to interrogate them and then fill my mind. So every time I struggle with thoughts like this, how many of you guys know the eye is the gateway to the soul? Oh, I could share some interesting stories about eyes. I'm not going to do it, all right? It's come small group, so I might freak you out. I've seen some interesting things with eyes, all right? Sorry, i got to change the subject. Um, anyway, your eye is directly related to your soul. Whatever you behold, you become. You guys heard that? Your gaze determines your flame. What are you looking at? What are you beholding? because it's going to determine what's going on in here. All right, so that's the first one, or the second one. If any of you guys, side note, if anyone's here and you're like, oh, I want to be free, like, just come talk to me afterwards. Like, honestly, no shame, no guilt. Like, I will help you get free, promise, if you're willing, all right? And if you're a woman, um, I talked to Wendy. She said that she would be willing, right? Wendy, raise your hand. Yeah, sweet. Because guess what? We don't play um, shame or any of that. We play victory, and we, pray, we proclaim freedom, and we're here about getting free, all right? Because we love Jesus, and we want to think things that are honorable and true. And when we think thoughts like that, guess what? It might be true, but it sure isn't honorable. Because I'm holding it to my plumb line. I'm going, is this honorable? No, God, it's not. God, if you opened my mind and you looked in sometimes, I would be embarrassed, Help me deal with that. He's not playing shame either, but he wants to help you. He's a good, good father. All right, the third one was that Allie and I put down is how to treat others. How to treat others. I notice this a lot in myself and with people around me, but things that are said about people, and I go, ugh, that's way off the line. <laughs> That is way off the line. So maybe you deal with, maybe you've been hurt, right? And you've been hurt bad. Anyone ever been hurt in their life and it's normally not your fault, right? Isn't that the worst when you're hurt and you did everything right and you still get hurt? That's, it's way easier to cope when you're like, I was in the wrong and I got hurt. It's a lot harder to cope when you were just a perfect little saint, 
and you get hurt bad. And God, how do I look at people that have wronged me? And we know, oh, you're supposed to, you're supposed to love people and you're supposed to forgive them. And, and we know all that stuff, right? But a lot of times, just because we do it out here doesn't mean we're doing it in here. And we've held our actions. We've taken our actions with accountability because if you kill someone, you go to jail. I mean, there's like an accountability for your actions. If you start screaming at someone, you'll probably lose your job. But you can think whatever you want, and there's no accountability. You can think anything you want, and no one knows it. Has anyone ever felt safe in their mind before this is real? Has anyone ever thought, like, I'm safe in here? Like, you're thinking things that you know people would not like, and you're like, I'm, I'm safe in here because no one knows it? <laughs> Caleb's the only one that's saying no. <laughs> He's an angel, I swear. Like, I am planning one day for him just not to be here. <laughs> like, just resurrected to the Father without anyone else. Like, that's literally my plan. Anyway, I've had it before where I've thought things, and I'm like, thank God I'm safe in here. Thank God no one else knows that. But guess what? It's way off the line. It might be true, but it's not honorable. And I have to go, okay, God, why am I thinking this? Why am I so upset at Lindsay? Not really, but let's just pretend. Why am I so upset? Okay, was it because she said this? Was it because she did this? All right. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to throw that thought out, and now I'm going to check my plumb line. Because your word, Ephesians 4.32, says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And I go, okay, God, I don't feel like it. Lindsay's just going in my mind again and again and again, and I can't control it. But you know what? I'm going to choose to forgive her like you forgave me. I want to create a new pathway in my mind. I want to create a new pathway in my mind. And then I go, okay, you know what? I'm going to read 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I didn't write that. <laughs> and you go, God, I feel like I hate that person. And maybe, maybe you'll say it flat out, I hate that person. And you go, God, but I love you. There's a contradiction here. Can you help me work it out? Can you help me show them love and affection? Because I love you. And my plumb line is way off. It's not honorable. For he who does not love his brother whom he can see, he cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Proverbs 24, 17 says, don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble. So when you're... Um, when you're in a job or something and, and you want to get the promotion, someone else does, and you go, God, I will never rejoice in that because I cannot rejoice when my enemies fall. And the plumb line keeps you straight. Every time your mind wanders, every time you start thinking a lustful thought, you go, whoa, where's the plumb line? What's true and what's honorable? 
because for way too long, we've just held our actions accountable and we've let our mind do whatever they want. We've been bound by secret sin and we go on this roller coaster with God where we're like, God loves me, I'm so in love with God. And then we go down, we're like, oh, I, I, I don't even wanna go to church. I don't wanna raise my hands. I, that's just wrong. I don't wanna take advantage of God's grace. I don't wanna take advantage of him because I messed up, I did this. And the sad truth is what we're doing is going, Jesus, your sacrifice wasn't enough to pay for all of my sins. Because we're seated with Christ, you know, Christ sits on the throne of justice. So we have this beautiful thread of justice through us. But every once in a while, that thread gets a little bit messed up. And because we long for justice, we go, I need to carry this myself. I screwed up. I cheated. I, I did this. I did that. Whatever it might be. And we go, I'm going to carry this one because God, I did it on purpose. I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. Anyone ever knew it was wrong and did it anyway? You ready for the secret? <laughs> That's what sin is. All right? The Bible says that when the law was given, sin increased. You know why? Because they didn't know it was sin, so they weren't held accountable for it. <laughs> Sinning is doing what you know is wrong and doing it anyway. So if the enemy's then trying to come at you with that one and saying, well, you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. Yeah, welcome to the club. That's called sin. The good news is I know a guy that paid the ultimate price to take all of that, all of that nasty sin and go, I'm not even gonna make you feel shameful for it. I just wanna bring you forward. You have no idea what I still have for you. John 10.10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Take your plumb line out, and when you're going through life, and you go, this might just be what God wants for me. Because of what I did, because of how I screwed up, I think this is how far God wants to take me. It's not true, and it's not honorable, because his word says, <laughs> my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is New Testament. I'm not even taking it out of context. I'm not even reading Jeremiah to you right now. This is Jesus speaking to you. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. It always comes from, because God did this, you don't have to do this. The whole point is he broke the sin nature. So now you're sinning by your own accord. You're gonna have a really hard time worshiping a God that thinks you are worth dying for if you think you're worthless. You're not gonna make it very far in this relationship. It's called false humility. 
We've spent so long going, I just need to get lower. And God goes, I got work for you. You're sons and daughters of the Most High. You got work to do. Get out of the shame. Get out of the guilt. Come running to me. You remember the prodigal son story? This is really important, okay? People that are often sin, maybe it's you. Maybe it's not sin. Maybe you've just been distant from God for a while. First John says that sin separates us from God. It doesn't say sin separates God from us. It says sin separates us from God because God stays in the same place. How many of you guys know the father with the prodigal son story was at his home and the son left? The father didn't move. And the father stayed where he was. He stayed at the house and he watched and he waited for the son but it took the son to come running. And then the father goes running after him. Sometimes it takes people going off before they'll come back. And maybe you've been off for a while. Maybe your thoughts have been off. Maybe you've been bound by sin. Maybe you've been bound by anxiety or shame or whatever it might be. I promise you that if you'll just start running that the father's looking and anticipating you He's going, please run. I'll meet you. I'll meet you if you start running. The Bible says it's not a one-way street. That when you seek the Father, that He seeks after us. But you got to seek. You got to confess and go, God, I screwed up. That's what the Son did when He met the Father, right? The Son comes running, and I just imagine the Father picking Him up, and the Son goes, I've sinned against you and against God. And that was it. He said, that's in the past, now we're going forward. And he takes him in and he prepares a feast for him. So you repent, you confess. How many of you guys know that repentance just means to turn around? You go, I was walking this way. I'm gonna repent and go, that's not for me. And you walk a new way. So um, let's stand up for a minute. Um, Caleb's just gonna play the keyboard. And I want to ask you, what area does the enemy dominate your thought life? Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe you're proud. What area does he speak to you on? Listen, find the area and then go find the plumb line. You don't need a scholarship in ministry to be able to do this. You just have to Google and go, God, I need verses about peace. And that's your plumb line. You write them down, you put them in your car, you put them on your refrigerator. And every time the enemy tries to come at you with anxiety or worry, and you go, God, I'm worried right now, but your word says that I shouldn't worry about anything, that I should cast all my worries unto you. And you don't just empty your mind, but you fill it. So let's bow our heads for a second. What area does God want your mind back? Maybe you've been off. Maybe you've dealt with shame. I believe God just wants to do away with shame. 
whether you've been dealing with it for years or decades, whether you're in the car listening to this 10 years later, I believe God wants to deal with shame. It's real simple. You go, God, I'm sorry for what I did. And guess what? His blood paid for it. You are now in right standing with the Father. So anytime the enemy tries to come at you and say that you're unworthy, you read Romans 3.24 and you go, I am in right standing with the Father. I'm meant to live a life of glory to glory. I'm meant to live a life of healing the sick, of casting out demons, of doing greater things than these. I'm not going to fool with stuff like this. I got glory to reach. I got captives to help free. I've got hurting people to save because we're his hands and feet, right? It's all the Father, but it takes us. So God, I just want to bless these people. I just ask that you would bless their head all the way down to their feet, that your face would shine upon them. God, what does it mean for your face to shine upon us? May we find you this week. God, I don't want to just keep my actions in check. I want to keep my mind in check too. Will you help me to always see the plumb line? Because I know my thoughts are going to take me wherever I need to go in my life or wherever I don't need to go. Can you help me rewrite some of my thoughts this morning? When I'm driving to work, when I'm waking up early, when I'm going to bed late, when I have to cook dinner, when I have to deal with people being rude to me for no reason, God, help me keep my thought process in check. I want to think about things that are true and honorable. So we just bless you in Jesus' name. We just command shame to go in Jesus' name. Jesus does not do shame. We just command that to go in Jesus' name. And we speak freedom into the atmosphere. We speak freedom into the atmosphere because of what Jesus did. All things are possible. We can do all things through Christ. We can overcome addiction. We can overcome shame. We can overcome pride because all things are possible through Christ. In your name, amen. So as we're going through our week this week, guys, think about it. Hold up the plumb line. Is it true? Is it honorable? For some of us, our thought of house, our house of thoughts has already been built. We're going to have to tear it all the way down and start back at scratch. Whatever area you feel like the enemy has taken control of your mind, just Google some verses. Verses about peace. Verses about shame, about guilt, about lust, and read it and go, oh, God, even though I don't feel like it, that's outside.